Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the last episode of January, in January, of 321 New Kitten. I am Bobby the Awesome, your host. And today we have an interview with the lovely Wendy Boast, who is very dedicated to, I believe, living a positive life and setting a really good example. And she's with us today both as a spouse of a gambler and as one of those positive folks in my life. She just has a lot of value to contribute and she's been one of the biggest advocates through my journey of recovery. I was fortunate enough to meet her very early on in Kansas City. So please welcome Wendy to the show. Hello. Today we have Miss Wendy with us on 321 No Kidding. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Bobby. I'm happy to have you here. You. Before I get into the formal interview, there's something I kind of wanted to share with you. So I'm taking a class, and one of the things that they talked about were our champions in life. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take me much long to think about this, but I feel like I owe you a little bit of gratitude. We're a lot. Oh my goodness. Um, because you've always been one of those champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were one of the few people who wrote to me when I was in treatment faithfully. You've always encouraged me. The last visit I got out to Kansas city, I got to hang out with you, even though I was yes. you know, technically friends with your husband first. So yeah. um, I just want to make sure I call that out in front of everybody because you're one of my champions. I appreciate that. I'm getting a little weepy, Bobby. I love you. You know that. I know. I love you too. You're awesome. <laughs> so let's tell everybody how awesome you are. Okay. So if you can kick us off with a basic introduction, you know, sure. who you are. Absolutely. I always tell people I'm a city girl with a country girl heart. So I grew up in uh, South Central Kansas in a farming community and I moved to Kansas City about 27 years ago. So even though I've been in the city for most of my life, I certainly still have that connection with my small town country girl roots. Um, You mentioned my husband, Kevin. I met him back when online dating was fairly new and uh, we've been married for just over 13 years now. Um, Professionally, I have a business communications background, and after about 20 years in my corporate career, I stepped away from that more traditional career path uh, just a few years ago now, and very purposefully put together kind of this portfolio career, which is, you know, doing a variety of things I love, um, genuinely feeling like I make a difference in the lives of others, at least I hope so. Um, In that, I am a certified health coach, a career coach. I own a direct sales business in a niche uh, health supplement company and uh, focusing uh, on getting people healthy from the inside out. And the last thing that I will mention as I kind of try to nutshell who I am is that I have a personal journey through compulsive gambling as the wife of a gambler. Um, So I have that real life experience of being a loved one that has gone through the gambling journey personally. That's one of the reasons we want you here. You've been a fabulous uh, support system from everything I can tell, uh, especially when I was in Kansas City with the community. And you're a great example and resource. And we're going to talk a little bit about that participation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in here in New York, we don't have as strong of a community as we could, not even in a comparison factor. But I, I think it we have some opportunity and I'm sure it's that way in a lot of places sure. in the country. Sure. So 
would you like to start with talking about Kevin and, and your perspective of the wife of a gambler? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think to move forward, we're going to have to take a look back, right? And so when Kevin and I met and married, I actually didn't know that gambling was <clears throat> part of his life and part of his struggle either. And, and I know that it's really hard to imagine that a wife can't know that gambling is going on, but it, it truly is a secretive type of addiction. You can't smell it. You can't necessarily see it on somebody. And so um, that part of his life was kept hidden for quite some time. I was in charge of our finances. So financially, I didn't see any anything happening. There were things that I can look back on now that I thought were um, interesting or hard to figure out. Or I couldn't quite understand, but I couldn't also put my finger on it. And so early in our marriage, you know, one of Kevin's struggles as a gambler was just maintaining employment. And it was contributed by his, his gambling, but I just didn't know that. So early in our marriage, in one of his times when he wasn't, um, wasn't working, I noticed a credit card that I didn't know we had, and it had um, casino charges on it. And I had never grown up with addiction in any of my uh, background or family of any kind. And so not even thinking that this was a problem, I just thought, it was being stupid. I, just to be honest, I'm looking at the credit card thinking, you don't work. Why are you going to the casino? That's just a dumb decision, right? And so we paid off the credit card and I said, you won't go again. And, you know, we moved on. And you fast forward a, a, a couple of years later, or a few years later, and um, I had gotten a call from somebody who was a former employer and it was revealed again about this gambling. And because of the seriousness of that revelation, I thought, you know what, this isn't just being a dumb decision. This is a problem. But also not understanding addiction, I went into solve mode. And so I wanted to fix it because that's what you do. You, you stop the problem, you stop going to the casino, you sign yourself off the boats, whatever those terms are, you stop doing those things and you get help. And so we, sought um, in the state of Kansas or the state of Missouri at that time um, paid for free counseling sessions. And so we went to counseling and this addictions counselor was not skilled with gambling necessarily. And in 10 sessions, she looked at me and said, he's got this. Like in, in 10 sessions, he had gone through the 12 steps and he was, he was on the right path. And so I believed that to be true. I didn't know any 12-step uh, programs. I didn't know what recovery really meant uh, for someone in addiction. And so I just assumed that we solved the problem. <laughs> and then fast forward then, I think it was just a short year and a half, maybe two years later, uh, when this came to a head again, I realized that um, I don't have control over this illness and that it is an illness. And I sought professional counseling by a gambling certified counselor. And it, it became very clear to me that this was an addiction and an illness that needed to be addressed differently. So that kind of, I know, I hope that wasn't too long, Bobby, but that's kind of my journey as a spouse to, under, to, to uh, um, understand going from, it's not just a bad decision. It's really not just a problem. It's an illness and addiction. It needs to be handled a little bit differently. 
you made a lot of excellent points. Okay. So I appreciate it. No, there's no, there's no time limits. So right. okay. what you say is so valuable. Yeah. You, I do want to circle back though to a couple things that you said. Sure. So one point is, is that the, I don't, I don't know the right terms, but the professional community. So if I heard you correctly, you can't just go to a normal counselor or psychiatrist or whatever. And it, there's a, there's a difference. You're well, telling? in my opinion, yes, I, I, I do think, and as you would know that the, um, gambling is just a different kind of addiction. It's not a substance. It's, a. a a mind in the, in the mind and the body. And so it just is, it just is different. And I've heard of people going to addictions counselors and just not finding the traction that they need to overcome the gambling addiction. So me in particular, when I sought uh, counseling from a, a gambling certified counselor, um, that's when the, the boat, you know, so to speak, <laughs> shifted <laughs> and, and that type of realization that there is something different about this illness. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that point and, and putting mm -hmm. some context around it because it's true. You can't see it or smell it as you pointed out. So mm -hmm. for people that might be listening to the show that are wondering if maybe someone in their life is gambling, you already identified that looking at the credit card statements mm -hmm. and the job changes. Is there any other signs that you can kind of clue people into uh, either in hindsight or yeah. through your learnings? So uh, just the nature of, I think any addiction, it's any addiction is, can be hidden, right? It, it becomes a very manipulative uh, thing. So as you're the um, loved one, if things don't look right, smell right, feel right, they're probably not right. And we know this, there's this term in addiction called gaslighting and the, the, the addicted person will often make it feel like it's your fault or that you're the one that's crazy, right? And we, at, or shifting the blame to something different. And so if, if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And I, I, in hindsight, probably should have dug a little deeper. Um, but definitely the credit card statements, of course, uh, emails that don't look right. Or I had one time I had a missing check and I just didn't pursue it enough. I like, I thought I knew myself well enough and I didn't write a check. I didn't write down. <laughs> so I just didn't pursue it enough. And so when things just aren't adding up, I think just take a second look an honest look at things. Great. And I, oh, I'm sorry, should I have one more point? That's not to say that anyone's a bad person. Like my missing check doesn't indicate a character flaw in my husband. That was just his uh, addiction driving his behavior. So. Thank you, that's a good point. As one of the addicts, I'd like to think that, you know, we're, we aren't bad people. Not at all. Bad behavior. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Tell me a little bit about, so you, you go to the gambling certified counselor. Mm -hmm. I met you both through Gamblers Anonymous and, and GA and, and Gaminon, and you're pretty mm -hmm. active in that community or, you know, had been, I don't know, the right. level of participation anymore. Yeah. You know, and you guys were leaders through time, running our mini conference and doing a lot mm -hmm. of things. So can you kind of tell me a little bit about your journey of how you landed in the 12-step environment and 
what does that look like? What did it look like in the beginning? And then maybe yeah. take us through where you are today. Well, in the beginning, so when I was in that second, that second phase where I was going to solve the problem of Kevin, I was actually driving him to GA meeting and sitting there in the parking lot until he had his meeting and would come out, which is all just bad news, right? <laughs> you don't do that. But that's what I was doing to solve it. Well, he had a GA meeting that was a, uh, a group meeting, GA and Gaminon, Potluck, and Hey, when to come. And when I, when I went there, I have to tell you, because I didn't understand everything, when I went there, I was mortified. I was mortified that I had to walk into this building and be seen with these people. And uh, I wanted to wear a sign that said, I'm not the gambler, I'm not the problem. And I was just, I was emotionally mortified. And I had one of, one of the Gaminon gals, which is that family support group that you mentioned. Um, she looked at me and she said, please come to our meeting next week. Um, I think it would really help you. And I went to the meeting that next week. I, I couldn't, because of the, the place I was in emotionally, I couldn't even speak. You know how the words get caught in your throat and you can't even speak. Um, I, I was mortified I had to be there. And I remember walking out of the room and it was raining outside. And I remember just crying, like I'm standing there crying in the rain. And it's really a pitiful picture when I think about it now. But I was, I didn't understand the illness. And I didn't understand what my part is in it and how I needed to recover as well. So that was that time. And I never went back. I didn't go back to the group. I couldn't, it wasn't me. I didn't need it. So then fast forward to uh, what is now six and a half years ago, when I realized the breadth of this illness, I went back to that room. And I stayed in that room and I've been part of that room for six years. And I will say that the Gamanon group <clears throat> was uh, how I found my smile again and how I recovered. And so that was part of the initial part of my recovery and understanding was going to a support group and that we happened to have one in person in Kansas City. So what would you tell the, the spouse or the significant mm -hmm. other that is having that moment in the rain of tears, mm -hmm. how, what would you tell them to get them in the door or to stay in the door or to give it a shot? How would you tell them to get maybe over that fear or? You know, there is no, um, gambling, I think like any addiction becomes very isolating, not only for the addict, but for the person that loves them because you don't feel like you can talk to any of your friends or family. You don't want to talk, you're embarrassed. I will say that, and as you would know this, Bobby, no one knows better the road that you're on than those who've been on it before. <laughs> and so going into a group of um, people who have been in that same experience, so the journey might've been, the journey to that room might've been a little bit different, looked differently, felt differently but the, the emotions are still there and they're still a gambler. So there's still that commonality. So what I would tell someone is learn from my experience, right? And go into those rooms, whether it's a, a gambler or a Gaminon member, go into the rooms with the people that have been there before because they can show you the way. So what about a person who, so Kevin's been clean six and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yes. If I behaved and was as good as him, I would be at six and a half years as well. well it's one day at a time for all of us, right? Yes, there is. Well, without my relapse, I wouldn't be here. I believe that's that right. 100%. That's right. But what if he was out? What if he was out gambling or out of the recovery universe? Yeah. 
What does that look like? Uh, what does it look like for me? Yes. So this has been a journey that I've also been on. If So I've also realized I can't control the recovery of someone else. So I can't control the recovery of my gambler, um, Kevin. That is his choice. So I, as a spouse, have to or have made the decision about what I will or will not accept in my world, right? So if Kevin were to relapse, which happens a lot, right? And if he chose recovery from that relapse, then my heart would be really sad for him that he um, made that decision, but I would still support his recovery, right? Um, if he relapsed and chose not to uh, find recovery again, then I would probably have to draw my boundary to say that I couldn't allow that addiction to affect my life anymore. Wow. Would you say that the counselor, GA, how did you find those boundaries and where would you get the strength from that? Like, was it just the evolution of your journey? Yeah, I think it's the evolution of the journey. I did a lot of self-education. Um, there's a good book that I would recommend that family members or loved ones get just to understand the illness. It's called the behind the eight ball. And uh, you can probably put that in your show notes too, but it's a great understanding. If the more educated you are about the illness, the more you realize how much you don't have control over it. And I always tell people, you have to control what you can control. And that's you, your recovery, your boundaries. And quite frankly, this, you know, when people have a family member that goes through cancer, the whole family goes through cancer, right? An illness is not just a one person and it affects everyone around them. And the same can be true of gambling illness, that it affects the family. So me as a person, because of what I went through, I can't go back there. Like, I won't go back there. And so that's probably an evolution of my recovery, understanding what I am worth, understanding the illness, and uh, just understanding that boundaries in my life are important. Thanks. So one of the things that I struggle with is... Mm -hmm and this is from the gambler's perspective, so I'm curious about your perspective. Obviously, you're in the public because you're on a podcast and, mm -hmm. and people know your situation. Yeah. I believe that it's paramount in our recovery, not in day one. You know, you, you don't have to go up. And I think in one of my other episodes, Brett's like, I don't go up and shake people's hands. Hey, I'm a gambler. Right. For me, I feel like it's part of my healing. It's part of my, my belief is I don't want to lie anymore. Like gambling yeah. equals lying. Yeah. So I don't want to lie. And if I don't tell, mm -hmm. I'm a liar mm -hmm. by admission. And of course, I'm going the other extreme with the being public about it, but we need right. it. Right. So, how does that apply to you as a family? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it actually applies exactly the same. So I can respect anonymity if people feel like uh, for whatever reason they need to remain anonymous. Um, but it, I think it's, it was at the 12th step of any program is kind of giving back and helping those along the way. And if we, uh, it's kind of like when you turn the light on in a dark room, if you never turn the light on, you never, never show a different way. You don't see what's, what's out there. And um, I, I think the same is true with addiction. The more me personally, if I keep it quiet, I am less able to affect the lives of other people. So I could affect those in the Gammonon room, right? 
but there are so many that don't make it to the Gaminon room. Right. And that breaks my heart, but they're out there. And if I don't say anything, why did I go through this in the first place? Like <laughs> our journey through the tough stuff is what helps us help other people through their tough stuff. Right. And so that's just my personal, I think it's the same way. And, and I will say when I was in the early stages of um, maybe denial, I hadn't yet come to this realization that isolation made me sick. If you weren't, if you aren't talking about it, you can't get better. Right. So that to me, I, I absolutely agree that kind of shining the light into it will help other people. And I think that's my passion is to help others. So you haven't had any bad experiences. Like if you came out to your mother or your cousin or whoever and told them this situation, has anybody ever made you feel the shame or the embarrassment or any of the things that I think the stigma surrounds? Uh, no, I think that we're scared of what's in our own heads <laughs> as opposed to how people actually respond. Now, I will say some people just don't understand the gambling addiction because it's not as spoken about until now, right? Um, spoken about as alcoholism and drug addiction. And people can understand, um, just mentally understand, oh, alcoholism, alcohol, drug. They can see what, how that could be an addiction, but the gambling, if someone hasn't really had exposure to that, is less of understandable. So I have had people who maybe look at me thinking, is that really an addiction? But those aren't the people that are going to affect my life. So I move on because <laughs> there are people that do need help, but I've never had anyone look at me differently. I think that um, when we reveal things we've been through, people understand that we're human. We're all human and we all have a journey. And I just think it makes people more real when we share. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you something that may be out of line because it's mm -hmm. not necessarily your story. Maybe it's a little bit more Kevin, but <laughs> it's an interesting part of the dynamic. So Kevin had a family member. Yes. That was a gambler. Yeah. So can you tell me what that looked like? So now he's essentially in the human mm -hmm. role maybe. Or yeah. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. His mother, um, who's no longer with us, she's passed away for a, a few years now. Um, she was a compulsive gambler and never did choose recovery, which, really broke our hearts, especially after Kevin uh, entered recovery and to see uh, the effects of that on his mom. So yes, he's kind of this dual role and he really grew up in a gambling household. And um, when he then chose recovery to see, to see from his perspective, the lies and the manipulation and truly what was stolen from, from him emotionally from his growing up, because of his parents' choices, his mom's choice to gamble. Um, it really is a heartbreak for him as well. So it's an interesting dynamic there. He gets it on both sides. Do you think it helps him in his recovery? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I think it helps him because he sees the damage that it did in his own family. And I would say gambling even extends beyond in his extended family and he sees the effects of that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I know that was a little, more personal. That's uh, fine. But I, I remember hearing about it and, Absolutely. and kind of sharing that with you guys. So yeah. Okay. So those were like my heavy hitter mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, wife of a gambler questions. Is there anything you want to add before we get into kind of your skill set and your current mission? Because part of my mission is self-care. Yes. And again, you've been part of my self-care and you teach me things and, yep. and I appreciate that. And, sure. and what I love about you is you don't do it for money per se. Like that isn't your motivation. You right. actually genuinely care about people. You educate people. So I really want to delve into that self-care piece. I want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else that you think the universe needs to hear about. Uh, about being the spouse of a, a gambling addict or a loved one. You know what? I, I guess what I've said before is there is help and you, it's, it's a family problem. And I think that when you start to realize what it is, um, it'll help you uh, recover through it and help you support your gambler through that as well. So perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me how to take care of me, Wendy. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little open-ended question. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're all about self-care and recovery. So you're well on your way to taking care of you. But what I appreciate about your journey is uh, the fact that you've taken care of the inside of your body, but you also exercise, and that's hugely important. Um, not just in recovery, but it helps us through recovery and helps us focus on that self-care. So did you have a specific question that you wanted me to answer? Well, I don't want to speak for you, and I don't know enough about everything. Yeah. But one of the things that I've been curious about it, and again, like you said, we do our own uh, self-education. Sure. This book leads to this book, leads yes. to this person, and it's it's fun and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has been important to you has been gut health. Yes. So it, it's not just trending. I'd like you to speak to that a little bit. Because Absolutely. Again, the gambler, the family member, there's things out there that they can know, and if you if your body feels good, I feel like it's easier to make your mind feel good. Absolutely. That's exactly right. It's easier to make uh, choices that are for our health when we feel better, when we think clearer. I mean, all those things are related, right? Um, well, can, taking a step back, you know, when I went through the kind of the depths of my um, journey, it, it affected me in a physical way. It wasn't just emotional. It wasn't just mental. It wasn't just financial. It was a physical way. And so that's part of my journey that led me to health coaching actually, and to really be an expert in gut health in that area and that sort of thing. And that's because um, I was personally experiencing depression, anxiety, my hair was falling out, uh, digestive issues. And when you look at the core that's underneath all of that, it truly is gut health and hormone balance and that sort of thing. So my when you biologically look at the stress hormone, and would you agree that as a gambler you were feeling stress? Cortisol, right? Cortisol, right? It's how am I going to get the next dollar? How am I going to? Oh, I'm, I, you know, oh, I got to get into work and I haven't slept all night. Like all these things make for this chronic stress, and the stress hormone cortisol is one of the top four destroyers of gut health. And so when you look, when you, I mean, you could even Google any of those things, anxiety and gut health, depression and gut health, and the list goes on and on. Um, there is a biological, too much for this podcast, probably too much, no one cares about except me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you fix, 
what's underlying and what's wrong, then your body can then rebalance. It rebalances the gut, it rebalances the hormones, it takes away that brain fog that, that whether you're a gambler or not, if you're in high stress situations, that fogginess in the brain is there and it takes that away. So everything when we balance out when we feel better, we think better, and we make better choices. Great, thank you. And when I, just a, another side note, one, one thing about my insight to gamblers as well is it's not just, um, you know, there's always money to gamble, right? You're always finding money to gamble, but don't use that money on health, healthy habits, right? So it's, it's not just the eating healthy or the lack of sleep because I'm gambling, the stress hormone for sure. Oftentimes, a gambler will, will uh, have drinking or smoking along with their gambling addiction, and that just all those things impact our health. They just take a toll on us. So my passion, whether it's in the gambling world or beyond and beyond, is to help people restore that health and be able to just live a better life, healthier life. Well, we're, well, I'll speak just for me, but mm -hmm. definitely twisted when it came to that stuff. Yeah. So would I spend $50 to go to the dentist? No, but I could lose X amount times that in any given moment at the casino. Right. right. So, and part of, again, for me, my recovery and my evolution is that relationship with money and how to put myself first. Yeah. And that's very important in the messaging. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that, you know, talking about Kevin's mom, I recall that she would say over and over again that she needs dentures and she really did. She had just a few teeth left. I'm, I shouldn't laugh because that's, that's the reality of it, but she could have paid for 20, 30 pairs of dentures. Um, but she chose to spend that money at the casino. Same thing with, with the rest of her health. She could have, you know, been more proactive with that, but the money has a priority, right? So tell me, you talked a little bit about, you have your hands in a couple different coaching activities. Mm -hmm. So tell me what a day in the life of Wendy looks like. I, well, sure. As a portfolio career, that could vary for any way from health coaching, career coaching, actually uh, talking with someone about supplement recommendations and, and their choices, helping people uh, gain energy, lose weight, that sort of thing. Um, I, I do lots of different things. Uh, so I don't know what a typical day in the life is. <laughs> so for me, some of the things that I get value out of, and this is, I guess I wasn't leading enough, but my interview sure. skills aren't super polished, but I'd like you to talk a little bit about Equinox and the things that you share on your videos on LinkedIn and, and your lives, that kind of of information is what I'd like you to share with with everybody. Well, I I, I think that you know part, most of my messaging, I, I try to be very positive. My messaging, the fact that we all have choices to make, right? With a choice, I don't care what you did in the past. I really don't. What I care about is what you're choosing to do today, and what you choose to do tomorrow, and you choose to do the next day. You know, we're here where we're at, and this is a lot of my messaging that I do on. LinkedIn and Facebook and that sort of thing. But you know, where we're at right now today is a result of the choices we made, right? That's just, that's the fact. But those choices don't define who we are and those choices don't dictate our future unless we continue making those same choices. So I think one of my strongest messages is you can choose and you can choose differently 
and you choose today. And um, so whether that goes, whether that crosses into health, whether that cross, crosses into choosing to exercise or eat well or take a supplement or that sort of thing, um, or whether that, that, come, that choice comes in your recovery, we all have choices. And, and I think that just generally speaking, we need to stop defining ourselves and other people by choices that we made. Let's move forward. And that's a lot of my passion. A lot of my messaging is to let's move forward. And if you need tools to help you do that, that's where someone like me comes in, right? To help you with tools, whether it's supplements, whether it's coaching, whether it's encouragement, that's where someone like myself would come in and help along. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, I look at, I look at you taking pictures from the greenhouse and yes. you're living, you know, you're living the dream, right? You took a negative and turned it into a positive mm -hmm. essentially. And it's just, it's inspiring to watch. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, it's, um, it's an interesting turn of events when you come to a crossroads in your life and you choose a, a way that you're passionate about I think that as you have experienced with this podcast, that the next steps are kind of presented before you when you're taking that leap of faith and uh, would encourage other people. So Wendy, one of the things that I love asking the guests about is what they're grateful for, because I believe that gratitude is such a big piece of this journey. So could you share with me one of your, or multiple of your gratitude lists? Yeah, you know, life um, hasn't quite turned out as I had imagined or dreamed that it would, to be honest, right? Does it ever happen that way? Um, it's taken me on some twists and turns that, quite frankly, I just wouldn't have signed up for myself. But those things, that's part of my gratefulness, right? Because those things have also brought me to where I am today. Um, healthier, more whole as a person, a deeper faith, for sure. Um, an appreciation for the journey of every day. Um, more compassionate, less judgmental, right? So for that, I truly am grateful because I wouldn't be those things without first experiencing uh, the hard things. Uh, of course, you know, my faith is very, very strong and I wouldn't be able to, I don't think I would have made it through um, this journey without my faith, um, any of those hard things. So that's really something I'm grateful for. And then I, I'm grateful as I reflect back on those who have gone on the journey before me, who are willing to give back of their time and their energy to really help when I was at my bottom, right? Who looked at me and said, but what are you doing for you? Mm. And I didn't get it at the time, but they were starting to lead me down the path of self-care, which is a huge part of my uh, continual personal recovery, even now, six and a half years later. So those are my gratefulness right now. I relate so much and I appreciate yeah. that so much. When you just said people looked at you and, and spoke to you and, and mm -hmm. kind of set you on the path, I remember you doing that to me in the car mm. and at church. It was at church mm -hmm. in Kansas City, even though next time I come out, we're going to sit on the other side of the church, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the deal. Uh, no, thank you for letting me go with you. Yeah. So I appreciate you being here. We'll make Thank sure. Thank you so much, Bobby. I'm excited about your journey as you move forward and elevate recovery and what it looks like to different people, what the different methodologies of recovery are. And uh, certainly I'm excited to support you in that. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You've been supporting me a long time and I appreciate <laughs> it. Sure.
now that I'm starting to get over some of the nerves of this recording a podcast stuff, I really am beginning to appreciate things like introducing beautiful people like Wendy in my life to the rest of you beautiful people. It's kind of fun to share some of my best kept secrets. So today's quote is a long one, but it reminds me of things that Wendy represents to me or that's taught me or that's a good example. So hopefully you will appreciate this. It is from Lewis Hayes. Stay positive, forgive others, invest in yourself, trust your instincts, lead with an open heart, don't let others ruin your day, do things that bring you joy, be of service to humanity, find your, your soul tribe, and love yourself. Well, that concludes our last January episode, so... We will be back in February where we'll do step two and some other fun things. Until next time, everybody, have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon.